Welcome to Grand Farmer, the podcast where we bring together growers and members of the ag tech community to discuss the latest advancements in technology and their impact on agriculture. Uh, my name is Andrew Jason. I'm part of the Grand Farm, and we're honored that we get to host this podcast and explore the ways in which technology is changing the world of agriculture uh, from the perspective of those who are in the fields and in the tractors every day. And today we have a special one that is guest hosted by my friend Felipe Gonzalez with Startup Connections USA. Uh, he hosted this live at our Cultivate conference where he interviewed uh, Patrick Walther with AgVisor Pro and Adam Spellhog, a farmer in North Dakota. And they got into some really fascinating uh, conversations uh, really revolving around are people needed on the farm and not to spot, sound too clickbaity, but the answer may surprise you. And spoiler alert, the answer is yes. Uh, so I hope you really enjoyed this episode of Grand Farmer. Uh, it was a really fun and interesting conversation to listen into uh, and enjoy the show. So like, I, I just wanted to really like, let's just try to have an open conversation. I, of course, we have some questions lined up, but um, I don't want to, everybody talks about ag tech every time, right? Yeah. Um, so it's what's ag, no, I don't care about that. Let's, Great. <laughs> yeah, we all know about that. We are, we learned about that a lot already. So, okay, we can start. Um, welcome, uh, Patrick, Adam, um, uh, really good to have you guys here. Um, first of all, I, I wanted to learn a little bit more about you guys. Okay. So maybe Patrick can start. Can you just give a, a brief, um, um, introduction of, of yourself and your company real quick. Sure, yeah. Um, I currently reside in Canada, but initially I'm from Switzerland. Um, my background is agriculture. Came to Canada to do my master's in on-farm research, looked at um, different tillage equipments um, to do that, and always had an entrepreneurial side. Uh, started a business when I was in Switzerland for people in North Dakota. It's funny, I sold um, pasture raised goose meat for about $300 a pop. So that was kind of my first um, step into a business venture. But that now um, I co found a company called Agvisor Pro, and uh, we're about 22 people today. So, yeah, that's me. Adam, um, I know you're a farmer here in the region, but tell, tell us more. Yeah, so Adam Spellhog, I farm uh, southwest of Fargo, about a half hour by Kindred. I uh, grew up on a family farm there. Uh, you know, row crops, cattle, that kind of thing. We were in a big farm and, and graduating from high school in the late 90s, crops, uh, prices weren't that great. So I figured I'm probably gonna have to get a real job and <laughs> uh, went to NDSU and then started working in uh, retail agronomies and then worked for a seed company for many years as a regional agronomist, uh, seed production. And then last couple of years, I've been working uh, for a, a global soybean licensing genetics company, um, but still farming on the side. I, I've can't get away from the farm. My dad retired. I took over the farm. Uh, don't have a lot of acres, but uh, it's enough to enough to keep me busy and and uh, pretty light sandier soils. So it's a little little stressful and have some challenges that way too. So trying to incorporate maybe more no till and and uh, looking at some other uh, different crops, cover crops I can start introducing to in the farm to help help with some of that. It's it's good for you to mention this. Like, how common is uh, farmers? to have second jobs? 
I think it's 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 pretty common. Um, you know, like my 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 parents growing up, my mom was a full time nurse. You know, so really just healthcare alone. You know, in the U.S. versus Canada or other companies, but healthcare is a big thing. You know, that can be ten, twelve thousand dollars a year for a farm. Uh, you know, so my mom having having that worked out really well. But uh, my dad was also selling seed on the side. You know, so I mean that's pretty much a, a secondary job or um, having the cattle. You know, I mean there's there's that kind of diversity. So it's it's uh, you know, and I know there's a fair amount of people like like myself too that are working at uh, a seed company or a agronomy center or uh, precision ag, helping out with you know John Deere or something, but still farming on the side. Um, especially a lot of younger, you know, coming out of college, having that first real job, and then maybe going back to the farm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's everywhere, right? Like the farmer has to hustle in, yeah. in all spectrums. Um, um, Patrick, I, I wanted to understand a little bit more first, tell me a little bit more about your company and then I want to just throw another question in, uh, how do you approach the farmer? Like Adam's saying here, they're doing multiple things. They're working the job in farming. How, how is that connection that, uh, you, you make the farmer excited about a new technology? Yeah. So, you know, if we look at where to current environment is for farmers there's such a pressure on so many things you got to be specialist in um should i be hedging my grain you should know what kind of disease is that on my crop um you have employees you got to figure out like how do how do you make that they stick around um and we just really feel there's got to be a better way to help farmers out to get them um connected with experts and, um, you know, if you're living in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan or Minnesota, you might not actually know where the best expert is at. And so we really thought what we need to build is a platform that connects farmers, agronomists, the entirety of agriculture together and helps them solve on-farm questions. And that's really what, what our product is about, AgVisor Pro, our main product. Um, it's a private social network for agriculture. You can ask questions anonymously so that there's this stigma of, I don't want to look down in front of my neighbor. Um, and you get matched with hundreds of um, experts. So we have about 16 million acres on the platform today, about 8,000 users pretty much everywhere where there's agriculture in uh, North America. We've got some users. We're doubling our users about every three, three and a half months right now. Um, so it's been a fun ride. And uh, today I'm actually here in Fargo because we're launching a brand new product as well. So I'm excited to talk about that a little bit later too. And and that's that's actually one of it was gonna be one of my questions maybe you can talk about it now because this won't come this out until after you launch it right so yeah, just yeah. go ahead and launch it yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> I, I, say anything. I was gonna I was gonna ask you because we talked a little bit about that and one of the questions that I was gonna bring up to you guys to both is the um, the role of like the human labor like in the farm like how technology is gonna change that is it changing already. How important is it is still to have like human labor? And I know that you're going to talk a little bit about your product, but when you think about the retailer or the machinery company or whatever, so tell me a little bit first, Adam, about this, and then Patrick, maybe you can talk a little bit about your product and what you're thinking. For sure. Yeah, I think 
you know, autonomous is a big, big buzzword, you know, I mean, Grand Farm and, and even at the first couple of Cultivate conferences here, um, that was a, a big talking point. And, you know, talking to farmers, it's going to be a need because especially as you get maybe west of here, I mean, we've, we have more population in this part of the state, more more people to draw from, you know, to help out on the farm or hire, but you get West and it's, I know a guy out in North central North Dakota, he farms five, six, 7,000 acres. And it's him and two guys that are in their mid seventies, you know, and he's been offered land. He's like, I can't take on more land. Cause these two guys leave. What am I doing? You know, he said, he's pushing thin already. So I think it's going to be a need more autonomy just more, um, things like that to help out on that labor shortage issue. Um, but you still talk to farmers. They don't, they don't want to leave the combine. They don't want to leave the tractor. They still want to be out there. I mean, that's part of the fun part is, is driving and, you know, spraying yesterday. I like, I like going out there. I see the crop. I mean, as an agronomist for the most part too, you know, I, I'm seeing stuff. I'm seeing things across my, my ground. I'm, I'm planning ahead for next year. What can I do differently or, you know, different zones, things like that. So, um, it's still never going to take the farmer out of the tractor, but I think, you know, incorporating more things to help out while you're in there to do other things or, or that kind of thing, maybe tillage or whatever, you know, like guy doesn't care about doing that, sending that tractor. That's one reason I went to no-till too, because I don't like sitting and running a disc forever, but um no i think there's that's, a lot of recreational tillage still going yes, on in north yes dakota. oh so, and it's bad and it's <laughs> with the wind and dryness we had the spring yeah. uh yeah it there there can be more that can be minimized on that side for sure can, can we talk a little about about that before we get there because this is really important uh for me to hear because our practices in brazil are a lot different right i'm yeah. brazilian um and and the no-till is like it's pretty much a standard i'd say down there right um What's the difference here and there? Why is that different? I think um, part of it is just culture. It's just something my dad and my grandpa did. I'm just going to keep doing it. Making that change is hard for farmers. They can't let go. Um, other other things is warming that soil up, drying that soil out, you know, especially in this region where we're cold and wet until the day of planting, you know, so how can I get that warmed up and, and changed? But um, you know, we've got good soils here. We want to maintain them and that's what I'm, I'm trying to do more. Uh, and you know, it, you hear a lot of, you know, no tillers and it's all about cover crop regenerative and all these buzzword topics. And to me, that's not it. I'm just like, I'm doing it so I can, I can save money on fuel. I can save money on time. I've got a real job so I can do more time on my real job to help pay for my farming. So, uh, the less I have to send the tractor seat, that's makes me more efficient. Um, I'm not doing it to, you know, be some have some tag name behind my name or something, you know, I don't think a lot of farmers are, I think that's a small segment that, you know, that's probably the louder segment, but it's a smaller segment. So I think you hit on a very important piece and you said like, you know, a lot of farmers do it because my grandfather's done it and my great grandfather's done it. And I, you know, we see this in so many areas in agriculture and I don't blame them because you only have 35, 40 chances in your life to make this work. Yeah. Well, so what is out there that can actually give you confidence that if you move into no-till or if you use strip-till that it's going to work this season, right? And this is really where we saw that need for AgVisor Pro because you can now get connected with people who've been there, done that, and you're sitting in front of them. You can go into more depth and have conversations. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. I, I think... You know, in agriculture, we have to change in the next 30 years quite a bit still. Mm -hmm. But that human aspect and going through change management and people having confidence in new practices, 
um, I think that will take time. So yeah. we talked a little bit about that, right? Yeah, yeah, last night. And there's less there's less people going into agriculture that have a farm background. You know, there's yeah. there's being less and less farms, so there's less and less of that uh, background knowledge. You know, going into the industry, which is fine too. I mean, I I know lots of good agronomists or people in agriculture that didn't grow up on a farm, got into the industry and and do really well. But um, so that's that's part of it too. Yeah. So. No, and I, I do use AgVisor Pro. I got on it. Oh, no way. Early. That's yeah. funny. Okay. Um, you know, to yeah. me, I, I what I kind of equate it to is there's, you know, like Facebook groups for yeah. certain things, but this is a little bit more professional, I'd say, of that. You know, you get on Facebook and it's a mess. Uh, you guys know, everybody knows that. But this is, it to me, it's it's kind of like those chats or those kind of focus groups, but it's, you know, you're going to get probably a better answer, more a more professional type thing. So, you know, and I, I've, I'm kind of on there as a farmer and kind of as an agronomist, I've answered yeah. questions. I've, I've asked questions. So it's it, playing both hats a lot, which is fun, but that's so interesting. I mean, we didn't stage this, but you nope. literally just say set what, what we hear of most from our users. They love it because it's a professional network, right? It's yeah. about solving problems in ag. I don't need to see someone's cat profile picture on Facebook, yeah. right? Like, and you get actually the added benefit on figuring out, okay, why is he answering that question the way he's answering it right now? Because I can look at his work experience, his education, um, where does he come from? So, you know, you, you mentioned earlier around the labor issue. Um, where we see a huge labor issue as well is specifically for equipment dealers. These precision technicians, they are swamped yep. when planting comes around. Um, if you talk with them, you know, they get about 100 to 150 calls a day as individual. And mm. 60 to 80% of these questions are repeaters. Like, how do I adjust my flow meter? Um, how do I set my AB line? Um, what's the software version? Are you on a new software version? And so right now, today, it's a very manual um, task. What we've done is we ingested um, operation manuals, technical manuals, uh, and a whole bunch of other data specifically for equipment dealers. And we trained a large language model, an AI kind of database that you can now query. So if you were to say, I have an error, call, error fold code 403, it will give you back it, within 10 seconds, these are the steps you should do. And it will give you where in the manual that is. And so it's a, it's a huge kind of time saver for the precision technicians. We're giving it in, in the hands of them. So when the questions come in, we transcribe these, we, we, we suggest what an answer could be. So we generate an answer and the technician then says, I like that. This is good, and he sends it then out to the um, grower again. So that's what we're launching here. So it's pretty exciting. And you told me there's like a a bit of a it feels human. I mean, because it's a real answer, right? Yeah, it's not a correct. Yeah. Correct. So you know, as a as a farmer, you would actually never know that this is happening. Sure. Yep. Because we still have the technician who goes in and approves. This is the answer I want to give, or I want to edit it. And it's really about, you know, this is not to replace the technician by any mean, but it's to make the technician more efficient for the questions that actually matter. Yeah. And yeah, he's not too happy to answer 
30 times a day how to set your AB line. Let's right. Say. No, that's a good that's a good technology because that's a lot of that, you know, and I'm or my dad's run the planner at times for me in the spring and I'm doing another thing or I'm running our drill and he's doing the planner and then it's not working, you know, and so I'm trying to text them or I was going to be gone for my real job for a couple of days. So I made a video on my phone how yeah. to set the AB line, everything, because I got a different auto steer for a different tractor this spring. So, um, yeah, it's that'd be good because, like you said, there's not enough of those um guys working at the dealerships for john deere or you know rdo has a good agronomy team our local john deere dealership in this area but there's like six of them for the southeast corner of north dakota and minnesota south dakota you know and then it's it's incredible how tight they are in terms of finding talent yeah. um, if you talk with the um, north american equipment dealers association AIDA, um mm. they're literally help, helping their members to find talent to bring in from south africa because mm -hmm. they cannot find it here which is just crazy but you know today precision it's crazy it's like we're driving around computers on our farm like that's right. the reality you see a tesla out there like that's all news for agriculture like yeah. we have fully self-driving combines who are like adjusting on the go and like how should you be setting your sits like yeah. um and so there's just so much um, around that software piece that really um, they need help, and, and that's what we what we're there. Oh, that's see. awesome! That's awesome. I think it'll be really helpful. I, I, I totally I totally see that. Um, let's let's get back a little bit to to technology, and and uh, this is always a question that we have um, as entrepreneurs, as um, technologists. When we think about technology, Adam. Uh, what do you guys really need? What the farmer really needs? Because I know you guys are bombarded with technology, like people trying to figure out drones and satellites and all the sensors in the world. What is the real need for the farmer today like that makes you more efficient, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's easy is always always number one, probably. I want something that's gonna work, it's gonna be reliable, I'm not gonna have to change it and I can learn it, you know, I can do it myself. <laughs> um, uh, I would say that uh, something that works across different platforms, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of different options out there. I mean, right now I don't, I don't have a big farm. I have three different auto steers on three different tractors. You know, it's like, this is dumb. Why don't I have all, all the same? So it's the same thing. I get the same tractor. Um, but you know, the, the information they're collecting, can that all be dumped into one area or, um, you know, zone management, uh, variable rate, uh, prescriptions on seeding and fertilizer and and trying to get that easier I would say would be big because um, even in the valley here you know you look at these fields and it's 300 acres it's all looks like the same soil type and everything different but you know I've looked at a lot of yield maps I've never seen one that's solid green you know there's still variability out there so um, a lot of those guys maybe haven't adapted as much as you get in central North Dakota, West North Dakota, you got hills and valleys and different soil types and around sloughs and salt spots. Um, you know, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that, um, you know, I've, I've seen the information, you know, variable rate seeding is probably on, you know, half the guys are using it. Variable rate fertilizer is really low, like 20%, yeah, and you could probably make more money with that. Um, how we can um, Especially now, adopt right? more of that mm -hmm. coming in. Yeah, and with the price of fertilizer, yeah. I mean, it came back a little bit this year, but still not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so it went from really high to just high. So yeah. Yeah. Um, how can we Who knows be, be better? Yeah. 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 
I think. Yeah, I wanted to hear from you as well. Like, what is your perspective? I, I, I'm actually, I'm gonna pump the tires of Grand Farm here. Um, we just had to walk out of a session right now for for recording this podcast, but the session was about that Grand Farm done a bunch of studies with grower. Um, grower kind of member pain groups points, pain yeah, points yeah. and they wrote up a, a you know magazine on what are their pain points and I think that's just so important like at the end of the day we need to listen to growers on what they feel like is a pain they made the example of like why can I not swivel it around 180 in a tractor I, I've been thinking about this for so long why could you not like yeah. I was in a tractor myself and like for after 10 hours I'm like cranked up in my neck and I can't turn anymore it's like who's not thinking about this Um, but you know for us to we've always recognized that um, we have like a grower advisory board so we bring in farmers and we do all of our user interviews only with actual users with agronomists with farmers Um, about 20% of our investment comes from actual farmers which again was just like a testament to to prove for ourselves, like, are we on the right track? Yeah, I think that having farmer feedback is is critical because mm-hmm. farmers will definitely tell you if it's crap or if it's good. You know, yeah. I mean, they they will give you an honest answer. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I've seen a lot of that where some companies developing something and they spend all this money and all this time and they bring it forward and the farmer goes, "No, I don't want that." Yeah, or that's not going to work. You know, it's so it's having farmers involved is, is huge. We're, we're, we're hitting on a really interesting spot though. I, I think, you know, there's a dilemma as a startup that I need to be able to work with a grower to actually come to the point where I have a product that is the right thing for him. Now, there's a lot of growers who are apprehensive who say, I can't spend my time with you or I can't afford to trial this out, which again, I very much understand. So I think, you know, initiatives like the Grand Farm where you try it on on smaller farms is a very interesting one. I also been uh, advocating in Canada for a very long time. I think that's where actually the government should step in. Imagine you could bring together um, some of the most kind of progressive farmers. You mentioned variable rate, like there should be a way for you to work with a young startup to say, hey, I'm going to trial your new product out but you're gonna get um, paid by the government, by a grant who's gonna recognize that you're taking on risk. No. I, I think that would be the fastest way on getting new technology adopted in agriculture. And I don't see many other ways apart from do on a farm research. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of farmers that like doing that, you know, but it's it's probably hard to find them. So, how, yeah. you know, I mean, that's where Grand Farm is good is making some of those connections. You know, some so, company comes to Grand Farm and they go, okay, I know these two guys that have these issues are already working with us or they like trying stuff on their farm or playing with things and totally. here's their number, give them a call, you know, or like you here mentioned. So yeah. um, making those connections is the biggest point. Yeah. I mean, that was my previous life. Why I came to Canada, I did on-farm research. So mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to work with all these uh, amazing growers who are very cutting edge. So, um, yeah. And, and is, is normally um, the barrier um, cost or it's too ahead of your time or um, it's time. just hard time? Yeah, I'd say that's, you know, the far, especially, I, I mean, 
I always say that, especially up here, but I think even guys in Texas, you know, they're, they're still crunched for when they're planting. You know, we're all planting when it's cool out, but they're planting in February and we're planting in May. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of the same, the same crunch. Hey, I got to get this crop in. There's rain coming, you know. Um, and I, I, going back to my seed industry and, and, you know, I had trials with farmers or, hey, I want you to try these two different hybrids. There's these two varieties, the split planter. And comes to the day of planting, he's like, no, I don't have time. I'm just going to load it all up and go, you know. So yeah. it's... Um, that's just just part of the industry yeah i think you're right it's absolutely time is is one of those yeah. factors that so um thinking a little bit uh, as a brazilian uh, you are from switzerland right I, i wanted to understand a little bit the international piece um uh how how do you think uh, are, are there real benchmarks all around the world is it industry local or like um, how do you see that when when you're building a tool are you thinking globally when you're um, uh, um, using a tool you really want something that works obviously locally but you see that are opportunities in other places around the world I wanted to understand a little bit because I see a lot of companies coming from Brazil a lot of companies from the US going to Brazil mm-hmm. and it's always a struggle obviously to get into the market um, so how do you feel by being um, um, from from Switzerland and building a, a completely new tool is it usable in other countries how do you feel that the market would accept it so I think we're quite uniquely positioned in that as as a company because we you know we're solving problems in so many different areas it's not just like one tool that is being used to measure soil moisture at this time of the season or you can only use it at that time we're like we see usage change from transition planning to when there's planting season is all questions about planting spraying um, all of that to then like towards the end of the seasons more questions around like uh, hedging grain and selling and all those kind of things so but to come back to your question we see this problem as a global problem um i had fortunate i was fortunate enough to grow up in switzerland travel in australia like every farmer I've met so far has the same issue. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in Brazil, farms are are uh, set up a little bit differently. They're huge corporations um, comparatively to um, the U.S., but it's still, at the end of the day, there's so much knowledge to be gained. Um, if we can connect someone in New Zealand who has... Um, dairy cows with people in Wisconsin who have dairy cows like they're to some extent have similar problems yes there will be in different kind of geographical areas but they can still learn from each other and so we see this actually happening already organically today on our platform we have huge interest from uh, Pakistan um, Dubai the Emirates uh, Nigeria we have a community about hogs um, in Costa Rica like it's from all over the place Um, South America obviously as well from our perspective obviously the big thing is we just need to um, make sure that we can set it up so that the users who want to see other content get to see other content and the users who only want to see local things um, don't necessarily do that and how you do it with language um, all that so but it's definitely a global opportunity for us interesting and as a Brazilian I hear a lot that there's a lot of rivalry between 
Brazilian farmers and American farmers is that a, a thing? Well, I mean, there's there's rivalry between neighboring farmers in the U.S. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're all we're all in the same industry, but we're all competitors for each right, other. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much land, and there's getting me less land, you know. And it's I want to grow my farm, so how can I pick up this land? But that's taken away from that farmer, and and you know, as a U.S. farmer, I want to sell more beans to China, but Brazil's selling more beans to yeah. China, or just at different times. So. Uh, it's one of those things where you know we're shaking hands, we're buddies, but we're also competitors. Uh, that's just the way farming is, and but I think that competitive drive helps advance things too. You know, yeah. so that that's that's a big part of it. So I no, I think international. Um, you know, like I said I, before, I work for a, a company based out of Argentina, an international mm -hmm. company. So um, seeing what they're doing down there and and their business there, um, as well as in Brazil and other countries in South America, and how we can take some of those um, different technologies, those kind of things, and, and incorporate them here in the U.S. And, and vice versa. Yeah, there's a lot of U.S. technology across the world now, too. So um, no, I think it's still uh, the global global feedback or global input is still huge for, for everybody. Do So do you believe there's space for collaboration? Um, yeah. To I, learn and try to figure out maybe new technologies, like I mentioned before? Yeah, I, I still think there's there's always always that, that, that side of it, yeah. And I think, you know, when you look, I mean, coming back to no-till, you look globally at that, there's actually uh, huge opportunities if you look in African agriculture. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. how can we, uh, you know, help them leapfrog um, into the next level of agriculture? What, you know, what North America and South America has gone through through the next years um, so that we can produce more food there, better nutritious food um, as well. So I think there's, there's cool opportunities for sure. Yeah, it's the, the, the challenge that the Grand Farm brings up every day is like feeding the world, right? I think there's a lot of opportunities there and we, we sometimes need to stick together. Uh, I think, you know, feeding the world is one aspect of that. But the other thing is like, we need to do this also like in a sustainable fashion, whatever that means. Yeah for everybody but yeah. I think we all understand I mean a grower at the end of the day he has the interest of making the best for it, his land right. that's sustainability at its core yeah I don't think growers go into it going I'm going to waste fertilizer yeah. I want my nitrogen <laughs> running off I mean, yeah. $800 a ton urea I want that running off my field into the rivers that, that hurt some city you know yeah. no farmers think of that they're yeah. trying to be as efficient as they can or I Correct. want my dirt blowing yeah. you know I want to lose topsoil nobody's thinking that Correct. so it's but yeah. I mean we've also come a long way right like you think about the dirty 60s yeah like, we come there and so I, I and that's just I education myself, and, exactly you know, I ask just, myself yeah. what is that next step yeah. um, that we're doing you know it, it's funny you mentioned about like that big um, you know, goal, audacious mm -hmm. goal of we need to feed the world. And, and I remember I was actually close to giving up agriculture for a while because I got frustrated um, because I would, most of my friends are coming from the consumer side and I would talk to them and I always have to explain like, no, it's not as the way you're putting it. I'm not this. trying to kill you. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's gray. It's not black and white. It's not pro-organic, anti-organic. It's like the reality is somewhere in between. Yep. And then on the other side, I would talk to farmers and they would like just say, I don't understand the consumer, all of that. And so I was kind of challenged on, do I want to actually bridge that gap in my life? But um, what I realized, and someone challenged me on this and said like, what industry do you think is going to be the most important in the next 35 years? And it's agriculture. Mm 
like in 2050 projections show we like population will basically slowly um stabilize mm -hmm. so in the next 35 years we have huge challenges to overcome yeah we have more labor issues coming too because exactly, i see lots yes. of lots of that data showing you know the u.s is sitting okay but other countries china russia for sure you know the, their younger population just isn't there yeah. um you know the people aren't there anymore i mean people are having less children and i mean so um yeah it's it's gonna be it'll be interesting for sure but people have to eat so exciting yeah. exciting futures ahead yeah. yeah well uh we're getting close i know that we have a, a little bit of a time cap here so i wanted to ask uh two more things um one is i'm sure you adam is a little bit more of an innovator um maybe early adopter right um what would you tell all the farmers that are listening to us here um what are the tips? How would you tell them, like, um, how can you um, be more acceptance to technology or what would be a, a something, a message that you, you pass through um, when relates to technology to these? Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of that is take that time, you know, do those things. Um, there's a lot of things you can set up ahead of time in the winter when it's quieter, that kind of thing. But um, make sure you are trying new things, doing, you know, and it doesn't have to be big either. It can be 20 acres, it can be five acres on a field or split something, you know, just just try to change what you're doing now um, to some point. Something's gonna hit, something's gonna click, something's gonna make sense. And then, you know, reaching out and getting help from others, that's another thing. I think a lot of farmers are pretty humble and <laughs> and uh, pretty prideful and, and don't like asking for help. And, and I think that's, that's huge. You, ha you have to do that with the size and the amount of things farmers have on their plates now. Um, they need help uh, from other people and other, maybe it's other farmers or agronomists or Advisor Pro or reaching out, you know, just those kind of things, just um, how they can, how they can Im implement some new strategies on their farm. Your perspective now for the for the new uh, entrepreneurs that are coming in, what do you think uh, they can they can adopt? Yeah, I think to Adam's point, at the end of the day, it really matters um, whether you solve a problem for the grower, um, and so you know, spend the time on trying to to find the right growers to talk to them. Um, it's uh, it's tough to find them sometimes, but um, I think that's very worthwhile. Um, I also like to see more collaboration in the industry that like we can just bring things together and, and talk less about like um, whose garden is whose mm -hmm. kind of saying we have in, in German but um, you know I, there's large organizations who have access to a lot of growers and so how can they help us to to bring in new, new technologies and, and kind of push that forward so I think there's yeah, as always, a bit of change management need to happen. So, yeah. I'm a really big fan of the word collaboration as well. I always tell everybody, let's grow the pie as much as we can, then yeah. we'll split it up, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever we work together, we get that. Um, so I really agree with you. And um, just just a message. What 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 do you what do you expect of cultivate? I mean, I know that we are in the future now, right? But um, What's what do you think Green Farm can do for you? How do you think Green Farm is going to be helpful in the ag space for both of you? You can start, Adam. Yeah, I think uh, you know Green Farm is kind of that collaboration kind of space. You know, so bringing bringing farmers together or bringing industry or you know now with having the Green Farm facility, 
uh, west of Fargo here, having an area to kind of play in, you know, kind of a, a sandbox, if you will, you know, just here's here's a two acre block that you can you can utilize to try some of your technologies kind of proof of concept bring some farmers in they can look at it pick it apart tell you where you did what you did right what you did wrong um, or maybe it is going out and grand farms connecting a company with with a farmer so he can try it out on his own field he can do an 80 acre block of some some new technology or some new new uh, planter add-on or, or something that way so i think that's you know, going back to that collaboration point, I think that's just making it easier for companies and farmers to come together. So they are developing the right technology um, and then coming in into it. So awesome. For you, how- I absolutely agree. I mean, I love what um, Grand Farm is all about and kind of like the Emerging Prairie um, ecosystem. I, I think it's, it's incredible. Um, I guess I would only say I think we need more of those types of initiatives um, because it will really mm -hmm. depend on, you know, what you do here might not work in southern Texas or uh, in northern Saskatchewan. Um, there's definitely initiatives in Canada um, like that too. It's called the Smart Canadian Smart Farm um, Initiatives. There's one in Manitoba called Emily. There's one in uh, in Olds in uh, Alberta. So I think. You know those those types of things are the right way to go it's really how do we bring in the grower who tells us the feedback and then actually is willing to adopt it on his farm too so yeah it's awesome. exciting awesome guys well yeah. good thanks thanks a lot um for for being here um and well let's get back to the the, the show right. yeah very good thanks yeah. thanks so much and that will wrap up this month's episode of grand farmer really want to thank our special guest host Felipe uh, and our guests Patrick and Adam for this fascinating conversation. Uh, we also want to thank Grand Farm and all of our partners who, who help make this possible. It really takes a full ecosystem to get this done. Uh, if you enjoy Grand Farmer, I would encourage you to check out the Grand Farm uh, at grandfarm.com and a special invitation uh, to our Autonomous Nation Conference on August 29th. Uh, this is a conference meant to bring together the autonomous industry, policymakers, and farmers to really advance autonomy in our region and beyond. Uh, we're partnering with Microsoft, so we'll be at Microsoft Fargo's campus, and then we'll be going out to our campus in Castleton, North Dakota, uh, for some really cool and fascinating demonstrations. Hope you can join us. Uh, thanks, and we'll see you next time on Grand Farmer.